If you've been around the parenting corners of the internet for the past few years, you've probably heard the term gentle parenting. Promoted by experts like Dr. Becky Kennedy, gentle parenting promises to be the way to raise self-regulating, empathetic, emotionally healthy kids. But many moms I work with say it comes with its own challenges. So let's get honest about gentle parenting. Is gentle parenting the perfect approach to raising kids? Or is it just another way for moms to feel bad about themselves? You're listening to Honest Women, the podcast for every woman who's trying to juggle the relationships, roles, and responsibilities that come with modern womanhood and finding it all just a little harder than she thought it would be. We're your hosts, Andrea Berkeley and Jessica Hutchison, your new besties who just happen to be therapists. And while we believe that life is hard and there's no tip or trick that will solve that, it does get just a little bit easier when we can be real with each other and talk about it honestly. You're listening to Honest Women. Hey, Jess. Hi, friend. So we were preparing for this episode. We actually do prepare. We do. I know. It sounds like we don't sometimes. <laughs> we do. As we were preparing for this episode, we had a really funny moment. So Jess and I do the same job. I mean, we're both therapists. We are. But we do very different jobs. And so when I told Jess I wanted to do an episode (laughs) on gentle parenting, well, you can say what you said. I said, what the fuck is that? (laughs) That was my, I have to be honest, right? This is all about honesty. And that was my response. What is it? I I don't even know. (laughs) Meanwhile, this parenting stuff, including gentle parenting, is something I talk about every single day. So we're going to do a kind of a fun thing here where we answer Jess's question, what is gentle parenting? (laughs) But also get your hot takes. My first thought is, oh, if I want to feel like an epic failure, I'm going to try gentle parenting. Oh, girl, I have some more names for you then. Are you ready? I'm really excited. Gentle parenting is also known as respectful parenting, <laughs> mindful parenting, oh, dear God, intentional parenting, and conscious parenting. Wow. Do you feel like an asshole already? Yeah. My anxiety raised the moment you started talking. I'm like, I am none of those things. When you put it out there like that, I mean, who would say, nope, I don't want to be a conscious parent or I don't want to be intentional. I already feel bad about myself because I'm like, okay, all of those things are amazing in theory, but applying them into this modern day society where you're just trying to not drown. I'm like, I'm making a conscious effort not to drown. And now you're telling me that I have to be super intentional in all of my parenting. You better like shoot me with a tranquilizer dart. More than any other parenting approach. And there have been a million of them over the decades. I want everyone to know this is not the first time that there has been a trend in parenting. We had authoritative parenting. We had latchkey parenting. Children of the 80s. Ooh, I like me some latchkey. Yeah. Oh, no. I really liked coming home by myself, turning on the little TV with the analog thing that like moved across, watching some Power Rangers and eating a snack of my choice. Maybe that's why I like to be alone so much because I spent my childhood alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, probably eating some Gushers. Oh, I ate so many Gushers and Easy Cheese that you squirt 
onto no, a cracker. No. Oh, uh-uh. I loved no. easy cheese. I don't I don't care what decade it was. <laughs> Apparently it was real hands-off parenting <laughs> in the 80s and early 90s. Well, Very then off. it went to helicopter parenting. Oh, remember? Oh yeah. Or attachment? That's a word from psychology, mm-hmm. so that has extra super heavy weight. Remember the season of Tiger Mom? Tiger Mom. Did you remember reading about Tiger Moms? After I failed at attachment parenting, I think I stopped reading (laughs) about parenting. (laughs) Okay. So let me bring us back to gentle parenting since you don't know what it is. And to be (laughs) honest, I I have trouble pinning it down too before my shame takes over and I just feel (laughs) bad. So Epic failure. Uh, Every day, all the time. Okay. So gentle parenting, at this point, it doesn't have a true centralized definition. So from Jessica Winter's The Harsh Realm of Gentle Parenting in The New Yorker, she said, in its broadest outlines, gentle parenting centers on acknowledging a child's feelings and the motivations behind challenging behavior as opposed to correcting the behavior itself. The gentle parent holds firm boundaries, gives a child choices instead of orders, and eschews rewards, punishments, and threats. No sticker charts, no timeouts, no, I will turn this car around right now. Instead of issuing commands, put your shoes on. The parent strives to understand why a child is acting out in the first place. What's up, honey? You don't want to put your shoes on? (laughs) Or perhaps narrates the problem. You're playing with your trains because putting on shoes doesn't feel good. The gently parented child, in theory, goes on to recognize and control their own emotions because the caregiver is constantly affirming that those emotions are real and important. And the parent provides that model for keeping your cool without any incentives for the child to do what they're supposed to do. So that is gentle parenting in a nutshell. I wish you guys could see Jessica's face (laughs) because it was horrifying. Okay. So tell me what you were thinking and feeling when I was reading that as a parent. Okay. Let me put on my parent hat, not my clinical hat. At the beginning, I really did like it. Mm -hmm. It spoke to validation. And I do think validating an experience for a child or a feeling for a child is very important. Yeah. Helping them name that emotion. I'm really angry, but are you really angry or is there something Mm -hmm. else behind that? So I do like that part. Where you lost me was you can't say, just put on your shoes or I'm going to turn this car around because to me, I'm like, there is no room for error at all. You mess up one time. You raise your voice one time you're going to feel like an epic failure. That's where they lost me. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think this is what people feel a lot. Gentle parenting and all of the related types of parenting really focus on not just what I do as a parent, which it has its own set of rules, regulations, and things that you're supposed to do or not do, but it really starts to become part of your identity. Let me ask you a question Because I'm very curious how a child growing up with this gentle parenting approach is going to make it in the real world, where you have bosses, managers, spouses who don't care exactly what you're feeling because a job needs to get done. I don't understand how that transitions to the real world. And how is this child going to make it right now? Because we need to leave the house and you need to have your shoes on. It's a beautiful approach in theory where we talk about validating emotions, but there's a part of me that goes, but is there an emotional experience underlying every action that a child takes? Like, yes, there is emotion, but don't they need to learn stuff? 
Yeah. Like how to put on your shoes and leave the house. And when mom says to do something, you also respect that. So right. I think there's also who who runs the show right. with this. My oldest child would eat me alive with this approach. Yeah. <laughs> Literally would eat me alive because she's so smart. Because I could yeah. see her sitting on the ground and saying, you're right. My shoes don't feel good on and I don't want to put them on. <laughs> right. Right. Me and it would give her so much power. Yeah. And let's be clear. If someone has the power in this house, I want it to be me. <laughs> 100%. I am not giving over power to a nine and a six-year-old with these tiny underdeveloped brains. Right. And I also think that as a parent, I'm responsible for letting my child have an appropriate amount of power. And I know that boundaries are part of gentle parenting, but it's not a part that most people have grabbed onto. But boundaries and rules and helping my child to understand how to function in the world is part of the safety that I'm providing as a parent. And so it's not saying your emotional experience is the end-all be-all because I don't want them to feel that either. Because in the world, as an adult, it's not about your emotional experience all the time. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out how to run a house, how to run a business, how to do all of these things while keeping it all together. Right. And as much as I would love to live in a world where people want to know your emotion behind the things you do, I love that in theory, but Mm -hmm. that is a land of butterflies and rainbows that just doesn't exist. So we still really haven't gotten into how this works or what it is. And to be honest, I don't know how far we're going to get into that because what we want to experience a little bit of is how easy it is to get lost in the high levels of a parenting concept and what it does to you as a consumer. And you can experience this with us right now. Two people who really do value emotions and value interconnection and interdependence and have to get shit done. Yeah. Can't always preference that for my children or myself. And it creates a lot of tension and a lot of stress. Going back to the feelings and emotions, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times there is an emotion that drives what we would call negative behavior. Right. I do love the, is there more going on with my child behind this behavior? And that's something I can lean into and I can buy into. It's just all the little pieces I'm I'm struggling with. I agree with you. I think in theory, this makes so much sense. And especially for newer moms who are trying to do something different than how they were raised. Yes. Maybe my parents were really harsh with us. They didn't care. Maybe our parents were really invalidating. You don't have anything to cry about. You don't have anything to complain about. Maybe parents were physical with you. And you don't want to do that with your kids. And maybe just generally moms, women, all the people are anxious right now. Really, really anxious. And when you're anxious, you want to cling to something and you want to cling really tightly. Mm -hmm. And so something like this, an approach that, yeah, makes a lot of sense in theory that sounds really good and also has a really high standard of what it's asking from you I think it's kind of a perfect storm situation. I agree. As I reflect back on those parenting techniques that were out there when my kids were born, what I've learned is I almost go back to them, but not in a good way Mm -hmm. in the present Mm -hmm. and can easily say, well, if I would have done this 
better. This technique, Mm. if I would have bought into this technique or done it how it was supposed to be done, this wouldn't be happening now. Right. It's a way to judge yourself. Ooh, as if we need more of that. Right. And you know what it is, Jess? When things are difficult, we want answers. Yes. We want a plan. And when things are difficult, we either look into the past and say, you know, it's because of what happened back then. You can't change that. And also, how do you even know? Or we look into the future and say, you know what? I'll never struggle with this again as long as I'm the best gentle parent in the world, right? (laughs) Yeah. So much pressure. Wholly unrealistic expectations of self. Absolutely. So gentle parenting, like all other parenting approaches, has its place, but holding any parenting approach too tightly has some downfalls. The first of those being gentle parenting in particular asks for a lot from parents, and it's putting a ton of stress on moms, many of whom are anxiously trying really hard to get it right with their kids and parents against how they were parented. Like we said, it sounds so good to validate the emotional experience of your children. And it sounds so good to be perfectly patient. But then what happens when you're not? I think this goes back to that loss of a village. If you Mm -hmm. had a true village, there was somebody to step in when mom was burnt out or tired. There was grandma or aunt or whoever. And it's just all of these parenting strategies through the years put it all on mom. It all falls on mom. You're so right, Jess. You hit a couple of really important things. One, historically, we would learn parenting in community. We would see what the other parents in our village did, and then we would either do that because it worked or not do that because it didn't. And when it was going really rough, you had other people to come in and help, right? We also had to rely on our intuition a lot more than we do now. And because we have so much access to information, and we have a lot of people living with intergenerational divide, right? I don't have the relationships or support upstream that I need. I just feel like a lot of times women are on an island all alone as new moms going, hey, I dealt with some shit in my family. I'm going to make our life from this point forward and I'm going to make it amazing. So I'm going to read everything on the internet and try to do it all right. Ooh, I know. You'd have to be a robot. I mean, you just would. Then I'm also thinking of the added layer of of defending it, that this strategy that you're then going to take on. So you're going to have to talk about it if you have a childcare provider. You have to explain it to extended family who are Mm -hmm. already going to judge the heck out of it. I can tell you that based on the different generations. You have to get your spouse or your partner to buy into it. You have to get your friends when they're watching you parent this way and they don't agree with it, all I can think about is how much defending Mm. you would have to do Mm -hmm. in order to take on a specific strategy like gentle parenting just happens to be what we're talking about. But truly any parenting strategy that has this step-by-step how-to manual on what you're doing. You're right. You have to defend and you have to explain in a lot of ways. And that puts a lot of pressure on women. And I think it also just adds to the mental load. It's women who are on Instagram seeing the reels and then saying, oh my gosh, yes, this resonates. Okay, look at this beautiful moment. 
man, I wish I could do that. I, I don't do that. I get it wrong. <laughs> Whenever I see a reel, it's like, <laughs> you're probably doing this and you could be doing that. I, I Thankfully, I'm not dealing with that same level of shame as I used to around this, but I am 100% the bad example. You know what we should do one day? Hmm. We should switch phones and you should see the reels that come up on my feed and I'll watch the reels that come up on your feed because yeah. it's so funny. I don't have any parenting. None of those reels pop up. So it's just funny. We all are just exposed to very, very different content right? as right. well. And if you see content that's parenting related, and then it's gentle parenting related, conscious parenting related, intentional parenting related, you get fed more and more and more yes. and more of it. Those algorithms, man, they are they're brilliant. Right. And you can feel like this is the only way. And everyone else is able to do this. And I think that's the biggest issue that I have right now with gentle parenting is that it does require so much patience. It requires empathy. It requires time. And we just don't always have those things. No. I feel like the women that I work with now are more under-resourced than ever before. I completely agree. Even women who have a lot of resources. All I can imagine is these poor moms that are just alone more so yeah. than they ever have been before, watching reel after reel after reel, just sitting in a pit of shame all alone with nobody to talk to. And it truly makes me sad. It does. And even if you do have community, because this is a very popular approach right now, and you might find that you have a lot of people around you who are trying to do this, again, we only see, even in person, other people's lives just like a minute, maybe an hour. You're seeing somebody at their best when they're using every bit of resource that they have to be patient, to be attuned. And then I think even in community, you can feel a lot of shame. Or you can be like, why is this not working for me? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is one thing that I want people to know. So first, this approach asks for a lot from parents, especially from women. And second, no approach works for every single kid. And what works for me today might not work for me tomorrow. Right. I mean, have you seen that with your kids? Oh, yes. And I'm thinking about this time and I cannot for the life of me remember what book it was. It's probably on my bookshelf somewhere. I'm kind of looking over there. But it was one that talked about like almost mirroring their behavior a little mm, bit. Yeah. I remember one time my oldest was just throwing a temper tantrum. And so I, I mirrored her behavior. Oh, dear God. She looked at me with a panic on her face. Like she's lost it. Like right. mom has officially <laughs> lost it. Right. And it did stop her in the moment. But then right. I think she freaked out more because it was like, well, I don't have it together. Now you don't have it together. We're like, the ship is sinking. The right. ship oh. is sinking. <laughs> Who's in charge here? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I will right. never forget that. Or right. one, two, three magic. That was a big one. Right. That was a big and one. And I remember I would always say one, two, three, and my husband would always say three, two, one. And then we'd argue about which one to do. And I'm like, the book says one, two, three. <laughs> I have ones from when my kids were, especially when my first was a baby. And I will not even say the name of this book. I will not. I honestly think I blocked it out. <laughs> I couldn't remember it. I have so much rage 
against this book and this time period of my life that if I found the book, I would burn it as Kindle. I'm not kidding. So I really wanted to get things right as a first-time mom. And part of my story is that my first baby was a colicky baby. Mm. And all of the parenting guidance at the time, I mean, attachment parenting was just starting to come out, though that felt very granola at the time. Some people would say that they were all about that, but most of it was very authoritative and maybe even a little authoritarian. It was very like, it is your job as a good parent to set the rules and to set the boundaries and to set a schedule. And the opening to this book, I kid you not, it was basically like, you know, look at little Susie. She's raised in this way and she goes to college and she becomes the president. And look at little Johnny. His parents didn't set any boundaries and now he's selling drugs on the street. There was so much moralizing in it. And it was, if you do not set rules, if you do not set a schedule for your infant, if you are not in control of what's going on with your child, like you are failing them. And I had a baby who cried Mm. for a year. It was traumatizing. And I felt like I was the worst parent in the world. Because my expectation is that I needed to be in control. And we weren't. You went on to have three more. Kudos, girl. I will say it took a really long time for us to understand what was going to work for my first child because a lot of the parenting guidance at the time did not fit for him. I have deep grief Mm. about the ways that we tried to parent that backfired. Deep grief. I feel you hard there mm-hmm. with my first. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, major mom guilt and shame there. Yeah, you just go, knowing what I know now, I wish I had had the flexibility to be able to meet that child where he was. Now, my second child, same book, would have worked like a charm. They're so different. Yeah. They're so different. And you know what? If my second child had come first, if I'd read that book, and then I'd had that baby, I would have said, see, this parenting approach is absolutely right because look how well my child responded. But the truth is that wasn't about the book. It was about the kid. Yes. That was always a kid that was going to respond better to rules and regulations, to hard boundaries and guidelines. It's just not every approach is going to work for every kid. I love that you just brought this up. Because that is one thing I have not seen. It's been a while. I will be honest. It's been a while since I've opened up, you know, a parenting strategy book. But that is one thing that is missing. What type of personality would this work for? This whole one size fits all approach Mm -hmm. takes away the individuality of a child. And it takes away from the relationship that you as particular parent will have with that particular child. Because it's going to be different. Because every human being is different. Every child is different. And every parent is different. I'm a different parent now than I was 13 years ago when I had my first baby. Oh, same. I mean, I'm, I'm a different parent today than I was yesterday. Same. <laughs> not Depends necessarily on, you know, for the good better. Good night of sleep, and sometimes I'm a better parent. Bad 100%. night of sleep, not so great of a parent. Stressed 100%. out about something in my life, I'm a little edgy. And I'm a little short-tempered with my kids because I'm holding so much stress and and anxiety about things. Not a gentle parent on those days, but there are Mm -hmm. days that I am a really fun, 
connected parent, but man, are there other variables that come into play. Absolutely. And I think one of the best things that we can do as parents is learn how to have grace and compassion with ourselves. I think that gentle parenting is an idealized approach. I'm going to be the perfect mother, perfectly attuned, perfectly patient, perfectly responsive, and my child will grow up absolutely perfectly validated, perfectly self-regulated, right? There's a lot of weight to that. It's impossible. It is impossible. That is just not being human. Right. At the end of the day, as a parent, you really don't have to do that good of a job. (laughs) (laughs) Keep us in business, everybody. I I mean, well, true. Put away for therapy later. But seriously, a healthy attached relationship always, it always involves rupture and repair. That means you're going to get it wrong. And then you go back to the person that you've gotten it wrong with and you say, you matter to me. Hey, I think I got that wrong. I'm sorry. That was upsetting. I love you. Whatever it is. I love that you're bringing up that repair because that is one thing past generations didn't do. They would mess up. And I know our moms and our mom's moms and our mom's moms before that felt mom guilt. Mm -hmm. I know that is Mm -hmm. not new. That is universal. The difference one thing that can be different is we have the opportunity to acknowledge when we get something wrong, mm-hmm. when we aren't our best selves. And I don't mean from a do as you're told way, because I, I do think sometimes we need to lay down the hammer as parents. Mm-hmm. That's my own personal opinion based on who my kids are. But I think it is incredibly powerful to come back and say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I really lost my temper there and I'm sorry. And I leave out the butts because that's not an apology. Right. But saying and acknowledging that I'm sorry. And the coolest thing happens when I do that, she owns her part. Mm-hmm. You know what, mom? I was being really rude mm-hmm. and I'm sorry too. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful moment that repairs it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The brain acknowledges that repair and doesn't hold on to it. Right. Our relationships do not have to be perfect. We're humans. Our kids are going to be humans for their whole lives. They're going to be in a relationship with other humans. And we have to learn this skill. We cannot teach them that they have to be perfect or fall into shame. We have to teach them that they can get it wrong and then turn around and repair. And our our relationships are stronger for it. And this is part of what we miss sometimes when we try to pick up a parenting philosophy from the internet and these tiny little reels. I mentioned Dr. Becky at the beginning of the episode. Dr. Becky, I love you. I think (laughs) you are absolutely friggin' brilliant. And one of the best things, besides all the little bits and bites and things that I do see and I try to use with my kids, one of the best things that I ever heard from Dr. Becky was in an interview, so longer format that she was doing on someone's podcast. And she said, my kids don't even get Dr. Becky as a parent. Maybe 50% of the time, probably 30% of the time. And what we fail to know or see is that even the people who are putting out the most information or the best reels are showing these, these really idealized moments They're also not doing that much of the time. And the truth is they don't need to. None of us needs to. 
we can raise happy, healthy humans just kind of doing our best and letting that be good enough. So to the women out there who are raising littles and trying to do it well and wanting to do it right, please remember, no parenting philosophy is perfect. No approach works for all kids at all times, and no parent will follow that approach perfectly, not even Dr. Becky, and she is kind of a goddess. So be kind to yourself as you do this hard job and know that at the end of the day, if you're doing your best, even if you're not doing your best, doing the best you can that day, that is good enough. You've just finished an episode of the Honest Women Podcast. We are so honored that you would spend this time with us. We have so much more where this came from and don't want you to miss a minute. So please, right now, take a second to follow the show. While you're there, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's the best way to help other women find our show so they can join the conversation. And if you have a friend who could use a little more honesty in her life, and who couldn't, send this episode directly to her. Actually, send this episode to anyone you want to. Everyone's welcome here. We'll be back next Wednesday speaking some truth and feeling some feels. Until then, hang in there, ladies. This has been Honest Women.